Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm going to bring this on air real quick in a second. Hey, look at your call screen for a second there, Hick. Can you? Can, did you see me right? Can you guys read that? I, I did. Right. Thank you for revealing going behind the curtain on this. Well, I'm sorry because we couldn't like couldn't see the call. America, I couldn't see the call screens for a second, so I was trying not to throw out the number that much because we were having a couple of problems, and I think I just got it figured out. So go ahead and light it up. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Even though I know you won't, I know you ain't got the stones. Also, I got to bring in. I tell you what, at noon, Hick. You better be able to bring that heat. I'm just going to point this out now because you said at noon I'm going to mention the Browns because I'm from Cleveland, and every time we start to talk about the Browns, and boy, they start to circle that drain for a second, or at least they're on the lip. Here comes Hick, and here comes Deven, and here comes Mraz, and here they all come. Shep's actually very nice about it, but here they all come looking for me to get a beaten. Just an absurd Joe D'Aloisio back in the day. Steve Moralia used to do it. I'm sure Pierno's back there doing it all. Now, to be fair, just in context, I'm pigs. not attacking what? you specifically. Oh, but but I'm just going to lay this quote out here. You guys did this to yourselves, end quote. Okay. Fair. fair. All right. All right. I want to know what you guys is. Because if I find out at noon that it's the exceptional you guys, well, you are going to have to answer to that. And we will have clearance in Cleveland at that time. The fine Jonathan Peterlin is on locally there right now. And so I'm going to wait until noon. Noon Eastern when when we're local and the Buckeyes aren't even playing. And then you will have to pay the fiddler for that. Are you ready for it? Hickey? I'm always ready. I can't wait. You I'm better be. Pumped up. You better be. I'm just pointing it out. He's, he's doing notes right now as we speak. I'm going to flip out on you, more than likely. Or maybe I'll agree. Probably not, though. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up a little bit later on, we will uh, also talk to Jason for one of the very best in the business when it comes to breaking down the NFL. And i got to bring up the NBA China thing at some point here. I just don't know how, how really deep people want to get or really they care to talk about it on the radio. But when I just asked Barton Simmons about it with the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes are so intriguing, and it's because they don't have Urban Meyer. And over the last... Four years, when you are going back to 2014, you're you're winning a national title. Then you're losing to Michigan State, who at the time was good. But you're losing at Penn State in bad fashion, who at the time was unranked. When you're losing to, at Iowa, getting hammered and giving up 55 points to Nate Stanley in Iowa. Nothing against them, but you get where I'm going on this. And then you roll over and die at Purdue in a night game. I question your heart. And it's what impresses me so much about Nick Saban. Now, I think the Roy Buss is a little bit goofy when it comes to Dabo Sweeney. But I like Dabo Sweeney. And again, he reminds me, if you've seen children's movies, if you have small children, tell me he doesn't remind you of Fix-It Felix from Wreck-It Ralph. Gee golly shucks, even the hat looks the same. But he's trying to find a way to motivate. 
And Urban Meyer did a great job, an exceptional job. It's not all Urban Meyer sucks all of a sudden. Let's get serious. Urban Meyer did an exceptional job of making the Michigan game the most important thing. And the Michigan game was the most important thing to Ohio State, and that's why he was 7-0 and against Michigan, and that's the most important thing you can do other than win the national championship. But you couldn't win national championships when you're getting hammered by Purdue on the road or getting hammered or, or playing close even with Maryland later that year when it's an overtime 52-51 game. You can't do that if you're an Ohio State football team. And it's easy, it should be easier to get up from Michigan. You're supposed to hate Michigan. But to let the season go, I thought that watching Ohio State over the last four years, they'd become complacent. The Big Ten will be there. Michigan will be there. They'll beat Michigan. They'll win the Big Ten. But when the committee comes to call, you can just see it differently with Oklahoma. You can see it differently. Even with with, with Washington, even with some of the Pac-12 teams, they want to put them in there. With Ohio State, you're just not seeing the clear-cut hunger, the picture of what they wanted. Now there's an edge. And they're not through the woods whatsoever yet. They're only halfway there. They have a bye week this week, and then it's at Northwestern on Friday, which is a weird game. And then you have to go up to Wisconsin. You don't even know what time that's going to start. But more than likely, Paul Chris is going to line up and try to punch you right in the mouth with Jonathan Taylor and that entire running game and stone you out up at Camp Randall, which is one of the best places in the country to watch a football game. So you have a couple of tests coming up here. Then you get Maryland and Rutgers and all that other crap. And then you finally get to the Michigan game. And we'll find out, but it looks as if they have their edge back. It took people doubting them. It took people putting money on Michigan and wanting Michigan and Jim Harbaugh to finally ascend to the top position of the Big Ten. But you got your edge back. And that's why I like what Ryan Day's doing so much, and it's the same thing over in the SEC with LSU. Ed Orgeron should be a brand. Ed Orgeron should be one of the leading brands in college football. He should be one of the guys that we like, like Mike Leach. Mike Leach has press conferences. Everybody stops what they're doing. They're listening. Ed Orgeron has a press conference. It's it's entertaining. It's good football stuff. He's a great. He looks like a, fo- a football coach from a from a movie. He's a very entertaining person. But I also think that a lot of people watch LSU football and they wonder when it, the bottom's going to finally fall out with Ed Orgeron. Went into last year, people were wondering whether or not he was going to get fired. Had a great season. The year before, people obviously wondered whether or not he's going to get fired going into that year, and then this year. You got Joe Burrow back. People were wondering whether or not you're going to get fired. You're ripping off win after win. This will be the big one because it's homecoming. You got everybody there. And then you'll have Dan Mullen in Florida, and everybody's starting to pound numbers on Florida. They love Dan Mullen. They love the story with Kyle Trask. They love the story with with Florida being able to replace quarterbacks and keep going. They like it when Florida's good. People love wearing jean shorts. They love when Florida's good. And now you have a chance to prove yourself at home. The SEC on the line. Because it's Alabama and everybody else. But you see what LSU's done. I want Ed Orgeron to win in spite of what what has happened at LSU over the last couple of years. I want them to win in spite of people wanting to replace him. I want them to win in spite of people thinking that he wasn't good enough in the first place and they should be able to go out and get their very own Nick Saban. They should be able to go out and get their very own Lincoln Riley. They should be able to go out and get their very own Ryan Day. Just another example of LSU not being able to do it and people being upset with it. I want Ed Orgeron to be able to spit it in their face. Because I know that Ole Miss is Ole Miss, and it didn't go very well, but you can learn from those mistakes. 
November 9th will always be the reckoning. But for what LSU's done over the last couple of years, with recruiting, with still being able to put together top-notch athletes, I see Ed Orgeron and I say, why isn't he even bigger? A game like tonight, a win tonight over this football team at Florida will help do that. You'll still have to get past the Alabama. You'll still have to get past Georgia at some point. But a win tonight catapults you into that conversation again. And by the way, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, the SEC is better than it's ever been. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Up next, I hope the NFL is paying real close attention to the NBA because they need to stay the hell out of China. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by GEICO. Hey, there's great news. There's a quick way you can save money. You switch to GEICO, go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Jason Lock and Ford are going to join us at around 1140 a.m. Eastern. Also, 1220, got five burning questions. We preview week six of the NFL, even though Thursday night already happened, but we do preview week six coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Do we have Hickey back? Or is he... Is he still on the bowl? Hickey's having Hickey's having gastrointestinal I, I problems right now. I can't confirm or deny right now, Ken. I want to bring this up. Uh, and I'll probably have to do it a little bit later on. I got myself a little bit of hot water with a tweet, which usually means, can you just say something racist? No, 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 no. It's about television. It's one of Hickey's all-time favorite shows, and he actually shares an opinion with me about a couple of characters in one of the best shows ever created in American television. But there are two characters that I absolutely loathe that people can't believe that I loathe them. And I will, again, state my case because it's the 10th anniversary of their marriage about why I loathe them. 855-2124-CBS. I've struggled wondering whether or not you really care about this. I've struggled. I don't know if you do. But I'll open it up to you. And I've just said the number many times. So there you go. I struggle on whether or not you really, I, I think it's a big issue on Twitter and on, on Facebook and in social media, but I don't know if it's a real big issue on Sports Talk Radio. But you know what? It's a major news story. We got to talk about it because there are so many different layers to it. If you want to be involved politically, you go all the way. All the way. If you're going to put yourself in the spotlight politically, you go all the way. You can't hold back. Politically myself, and you're going to say whatever, and that's fine. I know you might be a straight ticket person. I have been a registered Democrat. I've been a registered Republican. I have voted for both sides of the aisle. I've voted for neither sides of the aisle. I have abstained. I have felt that there were people that even though that they weren't of the same party of mine, that I felt that they were exemplary individuals and that I should vote for them. And also I've been burned by thinking that a couple of those politicians were exemplary individuals and I I should vote for those people. We all make those mistakes. You think you have hope in a candidate and it goes awry. But what I watched this week with the NBA, when we want to talk about open culture and and being able to to have a say and a conversation about it and then to see just about everybody they could pull back on their comments to take back where they stand that is the biggest red flag 
I have ever seen when it comes to what the NBA has done. This is maybe the biggest miss that they've had since Adam Silver's taken over. You can mention Donald Sterling. You can mention any of the other stuff. You can mention player empowerment if you want. It doesn't matter. This is the biggest miss by Adam Silver in the NBA since he's taken over. You have formed a league where players have power, players have a voice. Players have been able to stand up for what they believe is fair and just. And that's something that I think we support. You've had players protest very strong things in society over the last five, six, seven, eight years now. And certainly over the last three with you-know-who. So now you have a situation in China where there are people in Hong Kong who are more than upset and have been upset for generations. This isn't the first time they've rioted in Hong Kong. You can go back and look at 1967. This isn't the first time that they felt that this is unjust. This is the first time that they felt that they have been oppressed by the Chinese government. And Daryl Morey lets out what he believes is a fair and just opinion. The general manager doesn't really know how much Chinese money is is woven within his basketball team, and immediately the owner comes out, says that's not how we feel, and we have kicked off a firestorm. It's not Daryl Morey's fault, though, that since the Chinese government, as they do, has acted like a bunch of petulant children during that. It's not It's not Daryl Morey's fault that the Chinese government, being a communist government that has state-run media, will continue to try to block out the images of the NBA and block out the images. But you know what? It's not necessarily Daryl Morey's fault as well that the NBA continued to play a game in China where there was literal hostility towards them, hostility towards the players, maybe even putting players in harm's way, and then turning around and kowtowing while you were there while guys have been fair and just and said what they believe to be true in every other situation. You can say whatever you want, and you can turn this into a political rant. I saw Steve Kerr himself turn down the opportunity to speak about China and then turn around and address Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, when he said what he said about Steve Kerr. I saw that, and the only thing I can say is God bless America. God bless America that we can go after President Trump. God bless America we can go after former President Barack Obama. God bless America. I can say whatever I want to about Bill Clinton and about George W. Bush and Hill Dog and everybody. God bless America. And it's shameful and flatly ridiculous that, yes, there is money involved here. This is business. That is not lost on me. But if you're going to say that you're open to opinion, that they are allowed to share those, that this is a players league built by players with the fans, and that they all have free speech, how dare you turn right around and do what looks like you're kowtowing to Chinese interests? If you're the NFL, you pay attention to every single thing going on here and you're saying I don't want any of this I'm sure that there's certain Chinese influence with a lot of NFL football teams that's certainly not lost but if you're part of the NFL not a chance in hell I'm getting involved in anything Chinese for the foreseeable future this has been a disaster this has been unmitigated a disaster 
This has changed the way we think of certain individuals in the NBA. It's made your sport look worse. It's made your sport look worse that you have kowtowed towards the Chinese government. It has made your sport look worse that you seem to have very no backbone. It's also turned fans against you because, boy, you have everything you can say and you have everything in your arsenal that you could say and go after President Trump and go after any sort of political opinion that you want, right or wrong or whatever. And I just said, it's afforded your right to do that because we are protected by the Constitution. We're protected by our rights here. And again, thank God we're able to do that. But to bend down because of this, well, there's Chinese interests here. There's money at stake. What about the money that's stake with American interest? What about the money that's stake with American corporate interest? This isn't just about the NBA. If we want to get societal here, we certainly can do that. This is much bigger than the NBA. This is bringing us in sports to the forefront of what we've been dealing with in corporate America and in society over the last 25 years. But if you're the NFL watching this with the NBA, not a chance in hell. You can stay in London, and I know what's coming up November 1st. You can stay in London. You can go to France if you want to. I think Germany, they have a big love for the NFL. If you want to go play a game in Germany, that's fine. I'll go play just about anywhere. I'll go to Uruguay and play. I'll go to Brazil. I'll go to the Philippines. I'll go anywhere else. I am not going to China. There is no chance in hell I'm getting involved in there. I'd go to China before I go to North Korea, but I'm not going to China. Go back and play games at the Tokyo Dome. You did it before in the preseason. Go ahead and do it again if you want to. There is not a chance I'm ever going to China. After all this, to upset the Chinese interests, to upset the possible business interests, to just put me in a weird predicament with players, making them look bad because of it. I'm sure LeBron James has certain opinions on this, but immediately it's it's quieted down and there's no... Media availability over there in China to talk about these issues. And you continue to play this game? This is foolish. This is foolish of what you've done. And I, again, I don't know if you really care. I think it's a big issue on social media. I think a lot of guys just want to get to their football. They want to get to their college football today. They want to get to their their NFL tomorrow. And, and still we're in the preseason of the NBA, and there's a lot of things that have to iron out. And this, like a lot of things, will blow over. But from what you're seeing, I take a different tack to it. it. It is silly what the NBA has done here over the last week. Kowtowing to foreign interests, kowtowing to uh, still communists, even though that they are certainly capitalistic in a lot of ways, a communist government. Turning tail and putting that tail between their legs. Some of the strongest opinions that we've seen in the NBA. Some of the pillars that we look for in the NBA when it comes to strong opinion. All of a sudden, mum on that. There's a lot of things here that have made the NBA look bad. I still don't know how much you care, but it still needs to be an example. That Major League Baseball, that the NHL, that the NFL needs to stay away from. They have real serious problems over there in Hong Kong. They have real serious problems in China. You have a culture that's getting more affluent over time. And just like any culture that goes from agrarian to, to affluent, there's going to be certain luxuries, certain things that people want to be afforded to them. This isn't going to change overnight over there. It hasn't changed. And again, I brought up 1967, and I'm sure we'll bring up some point in 2037 and 47 about it. This isn't going to change overnight. 
And just like any society, as you continue to grow more wealthy, as you continue to see money and affluence around you, you're going to want some of that as well. The people marching, they believe the same, very same thing. There's good things about this. There are good things, and I hope this is being seen as an example, about what has gone on with the conversation and about the opinion. Steve Kerr feels very comfortable in sharing his opinion without the fear of reprisal about the President of the United States, knowing that he's protected under the First Amendment and not caring as much that the interests, the American interests, will go away because at the end of it, while corporations can take away monies, they can take away backing, they can really put a hurting on you, that's the capitalistic function of America, and really the true American way. While they can do that, they don't. Because American business and American society is supposed to support free speech, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, what's right and just by its populace. At times, it's hypocritical, but it's still on the surface, and even at the very end of the depth when it's debated in the Supreme Court, it is still supposed to be that way. It is still protected by what we did nearly 300 years ago to now. And now you see a foreign entity being that ingrained in the culture where it puts people on their side and shuts people up. That, to me, is the most disappointing thing about this. A guy like Steve Kerr, love him or hate him, has said what he's felt. A guys, guys in the NBA, whether you love them or hate them, have been able to influence, have been able to share their thoughts and opinions. And now all of a sudden they're quieted down. We live in a global society. We have to understand what goes on across the world. We have to understand other parts of the world and what, and try to understand what they go through. But what I see here is our most basic, inherent American rights being taken away by a government that was pretty upset, really over the truth. And it's not us. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up at high noon Eastern, you got a bunch of faces. You do not have a leader. Jason Locke and four up next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Sunday, it's an NFL on CBS doubleheader with many of you seeing two of the most dynamic young QBs in the game airing it out when Mahomes and the Chiefs welcome Watson and the Texans, followed by the Cowboys visiting the Jets. It all begins with JB and the guys getting you focused for football on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS. Oh, boy. Uh, And also 1 p.m. Eastern. 10, 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll do the week six preview. That's going to be, end up being a good one. That First off, that when you have Mahomes and you have Watson, Mahomes is a magician, makes it look fantastic. You have Watson, who I think is maybe, I can't believe I'm saying this, I think maybe Deshaun Watson might be one of the most underrated young quarterbacks in the league and maybe one of the most underrated young quarterbacks in quite some time. And coming up at noon Eastern, because there's one quarterback a lot of people are talking about, and even though I'm in Cleveland, i got to flat out say it. The Browns have a bunch of faces. They don't have a leader. And we'll get to that at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. But right now we go to the hotline. We welcome in one of the guys who are in the know when it comes to everything in the NFL, CBS NFL insider Jason Lockenfora joins us on the show. Jason, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's not going too terribly bad. Is Deshaun Watson one of the most underrated young quarterbacks in a while? He's a special player, special talent. Um, 
unfortunately, he he often has to overcome uh, poor blocking schemes, poor poor blocking execution, uh, poor play calling, in order to thrive and and succeed and and make some of the jaw dropping plays he makes. And and he throws the ball as well as anybody in the league. He's a super tough kid, and if anything, he's tough to a fault sometimes, holding the ball a little longer than he he should, especially given the limitations of that offensive line, um, even with Laramie Tunsil. I mean, there's, it's not uncommon for this kid to be hit a dozen times, um, you know, on a Sunday and sacked four to six. And I mm-hmm. don't know how sustainable that is, um, but when he's given even a modicum of opportunity to make plays, boy, does he. I started off with the Redskins today, Jason, and I wanted to say, you know, you can make a good, solid head coaching move if you want to, but it's Dan Snyder, and he thinks like a fan, so where do you think the inside line goes for the Redskins' job? Well, he's going to make that job as attractive as he possibly can to Mike Tomlin, and and in his perfect world, he acquires Mike Tomlin, you know, parting with some draft picks or or whatever to make that happen. Tomlin only has one year left on his deal. if he can't sort of make that uh, pie-in-the-sky first choice a reality, uh, then I think Todd Bowles is somebody who he has a lot of affinity for. Todd Bowles is somebody who Joe Gibbs has been talking to him about since Joe Gibbs was the head coach there a long time ago. Todd Bowles played for the Redskins. Uh, Dan Snyder met privately with Todd Bowles in January about a defensive coordinator position that, come to find out, wasn't even open. Um, you know, And they ended up not firing... Greg Minuski, but I talked to people in the winter who felt like if Todd Bowles was interested in it, he could have maybe had the entire job, the head coaching job then, and Dan would have just you know gotten rid of Jay Gruden because it's been clear for a long time that Jay Gruden didn't have any sort of a long-term future there. So, um, you know, outside of those two, uh, Greg Williams, he knows well, Dan Snyder does, and likes Greg Williams, um, and, and Greg Williams has coached there in the past and done a great job. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I can just tell you, it's Tomlin and then it's everybody else. Wait a minute. Greg Williams, so this would be actually a one that he's offered? Like we would know about it, not one of the ones that he talked about last year where he was offered like 13 or 20 different jobs? I think Dan Snyder would certainly talk to him about it. I, I, I do. Um, and, and, and those two have maintained a bit of a relationship since uh, since Greg left as as the defensive coordinator and, and started, uh, I think at that point he might have gone to New Orleans, or maybe went to Jacksonville and then New Orleans. Um, but yeah, you know, Dan Snyder knows him very well. He was in that building for four or five years. And when Dan Snyder is looking for somebody to set a tone and get people's attention and let them know that, you know, some of the stuff that, I mean, that defense has a lot of talent. I mean, there's no excuse for that defense to be as bad as it is. And so if he's looking for someone to hold them to a different standard, hold people accountable, and be a bit of a, of a disciplinarian taskmaster, I think Greg Williams fits that bill. He certainly is. Jason Lockenford with us on the show. How stable is the ground that Bruce Allen walks on? Uh, I, that, look, that's not a, uh, a sort of normal football relationship. That's a personal relationship that um, sort of uh, has nothing to do with how you or I might evaluate whether or not they're succeeding on the field or off. You know, Dan has always had somebody there next to him who is loyal to a fault, who will tell him you're right and everybody else is wrong, who when he calls him at 4 o'clock in the morning and says, come over here, I want to look at film, or I want to talk about our next coach, or I want to do this or that, you know, that person jumps and is there um, at 3.55. You know, that's just that's what this is about. And he also feels like Bruce has the business acumen and some of the connections to his brother used to be, 
the governor of Virginia to help him get a stadium built. Um, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, he may be overestimating Bruce's ability in that regard, but that is a big component to it as well. But the fact that Bruce Allen continues to run football operations there is um, – it's it's staggering, but it's not surprising because Snyder, before it was Vinny Serrato, he's always had somebody in that role who would kind of me and you against the world. Jay Salak and Fora joining us on the show. Man, there's a lot to unpack out of that one. Let me go to Los Angeles, though. People are paying attention. They're worried about the Rams over the last couple of weeks. Is there something to be worried about? I think so. Um, the, you know, the whole Super Bowl hangover thing is, is, is you know, they're, it, it, it tends to be a thing, whether it makes sense or not. It does. Um, in this case, you, you've also had the situation with Todd Gurley where they can say they weren't load managing him or whatever, but they also weren't running the offense to him anymore. And now he's not even going to play this week. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't have um, the offensive line that they had a year ago, it doesn't seem. And you get to year three or four of a Wade Phillips defense, and I've had a lot of people around the league sort of point this out who've been sort of advanced scouting them. You know, they, they tend, you, you tend to be able to find some holes there. And, and those corners who were, you know, three years younger and a little more airtight in the first year of the program, boy, they, they slip a little bit. And when you don't have two corners that you feel like you can put on an island, that whole thing starts to crumble. And, you know, Tlaib's age is showing, and now he's out. Um, and Peters, you know, he's he's incredibly prone to um, inconsistency. He can look like the best corner in the league one week, and then he can go into a long funk, and he's been in a bit of a funk. And you put all that together, plus all the money they they paid Jared Goff. That I, I'm sorry, I think it does get into your head. I think they're human beings. I think it got into Kirk Cousins' head. And I think Jared Goff, it's like, okay, wait a minute, they're, they're, I'm the highest paid guy, and we can't run, you know, we can't get 40 touches a game out of Gurley anymore, so what am I going to do here? And I think he's forced some things, and I think if you make him throw 50-plus times a game, all of his limitations become that much more um, real. So they're a good team. I thought they'd be a good team. And they play a tougher schedule, and the travel's a whole lot different than a year ago, too. So you add all that up, I thought that they would be a team that would regress and, and that they wouldn't come close to winning 13 games, and, and their best case would be 10 wins and, and the right tiebreakers for a wild card. I, I'm not sure that they're going to be in the playoffs, but I, I, I don't, they'll hang around. I don't think they're going to fall off a cliff, but they're not the same team as a year ago where it just looked like they couldn't lose for about 10 weeks. Yeah, boy, it, it really didn't. I in. I don't know the Super Bowl hangover thing. I wonder if defense has kind of found a way about that. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But I, I want to ask you about Adam Gase. It can't really be one and done with him and the Jets, could it be? Ah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, look, they, they've they, they never they they never do things sort of in a in a in a wholesome, proven, uh, you know, sort of reasonable way, right? It's always fits and starts. We're going to make this coach hang with this GM, and then we're going to fire, you know, the GM three weeks after the draft when we've already hired a coach who, I mean, and then now you're bringing in Joe Douglas late, and he's looking at a team, the GM there, saying, wait a minute, these guys were buyers in March and April and May, and we're, we don't have enough talent to be buyers, and now I want to, I want to sell. I, want, I, I know Leonard Williams, that's, what are we going to do paying him $14 million a year? I know they just signed Colecchio Assembly and acquired him, whatever, but I'll eat money to get him out of here because we, we've got to reposition ourselves for the future, and we've got a team in our division in Miami that's got more draft picks than anybody could imagine the next two years. And you know what? We may have a quarterback, but I'm not sure how much else we have, but we don't have the draft capital 
to get there. So they're kind of caught in the middle again. And, and you know, then you have the Sam Darnold injury. I mean, it's just one thing after the next. Uh, I never say never about anything in this league. I, I, don't, I don't know. That ownership group, I mean, does, does the president get impeached and, Willie, and, and, and Woody Johnson comes home, you know what I mean, from the U.K.? <laughs> and he might have very different ideas about what's going on than Chris does. So I have no idea what's going to happen come January, but, I, I, you know, we'll see if they can win a few more games. Well, any, uh, a game to start with Sam Darnold. Um, but, I, you know, ownership there is always quirky, so who knows? I, I got to say, Jason, for a second, I thought that I, I thought that the president did the Jets a favor by uh, sending him over to, to the U.K., but here we are. And they're um, kind of in the same spot as always, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, you're, you're in the beltway, and I, I got to ask you about the Browns before I let you go, but did you kind of get a sense that the, it was going to go this way with Kirk Cousins, or did you maybe get a sense that it just wasn't going to happen this soon with Kirk Cousins up in Minnesota? You mean in terms of just uh, not being able to win the big game still and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Not be, the, the expectation, because he's brought there for one reason, yeah. and we all know what that is, and he's just not meeting that standard. I, I thought it would work out a little better than it has, and I think there were times last year where it, it looked really good, albeit against lesser teams. Uh, I still think they have the most talent of any team in that, uh, in that division. And I think if they can just get sustain a, a, a you know a modicum of a passing game, they've got the running back. The defense is really good. I, I, I still think they can be you know they can get into the playoffs or something like that. I, I don't think it's out of the question they they win the division. To be honest with you, I'm still a little bit of a skeptic on Green Bay. I actually feel like their airing of grievances last week was much needed, um, and everybody kind of instead of holding it inside, letting it leak a little bit and and getting it out there. And I think Cousins did play looser last week, and I think he did cut it. You know, he was willing to throw, push the ball downfield a little bit more, and he seemed a little bit more confident and a little bit more willing to kind of let it hang out, which they're going to have to do at times because that running game is going to open things up downfield. So I don't know. I mean, are they going to win a Super Bowl there while Cousins is there? I, I doubt it. You know, are they going to look mm-hmm. back and say that $84 million could have been spent a bunch of different ways? You would think so. But I also wouldn't say that they're not going to be a factor this year. I, I'm, I'm still intrigued by them. Jason Lockenfor with us. Should Browns fans be worried about Baker? I don't. I wouldn't really be worried about Baker so much. Um, I mean, they're they're. I, I don't. I, I don't know why people are freaking. I mean, they're one game behind Baltimore, and they beat them in Baltimore, so they're really not even a game behind Baltimore. You know, they're going to play mostly the same teams as Baltimore. Um, you know, they're playing obviously the same division schedule. They're playing this, you know, they're both playing the NFC West. Like, I don't know. This team won like one game in three years, and now people are like mad that they're not 5-0. and oh. I, I mean, it's a lot of new stuff there. They're right in the thick of it. That division is no great shakes. Baker's going to be fine. We'll find out about the head coach. They'll make a move or two before the deadline. And they're, they're going to the Cleveland Browns are going to be in the playoff hunt in December. And if people wanted like more than that, like if they wanted the one seed, you know what I mean? Or like an undefeated seed. I don't know what people were thinking, but Jason, Jason, and I, and I know I met you over there at at Northfield park a couple years ago. I'm here. And that's exactly what people thought. That's exactly when they got Odell Beckham jr. And I was a part of it. Jason guilty as charged. I swear to God. I'm like, well, they obviously think that they, and it wasn't just about Odell. I'm looking at John Dorsey. You obviously think you have great talent. You're willing to trade first-round picks for these guys. It, it's it's win, quote-unquote, it's win now. And I was wrong. 
Uh, you can't skip that step. I was wrong, Jason. I mean, and they still could win this division. Eight and eight. If they, look, if they go eight and eight and sweep the Ravens, they're going to win the division. They're going to get a home playoff game. And, like, coming from – I mean, this time last year, I feel like it was right around this week last year when Hugh Jackson came out in that press conference in Tampa and basically tried to get – you know what I mean? Basically tried to get Todd Haley not to fly back on the plane with the team, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That's literally – like, a calendar year ago, that's where they were, right? They hadn't even hit rock bottom yet. Baker Mayfield's got a winning record as a Cleveland Browns quarterback, and he's like 23 years old. Like, what am I missing here? The sky is not falling. Enjoy the ride. There'll be some ups. There'll be some downs. But Jason, 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 this is where – and I know i got to let you go here soon because you've already given us way too much time, and I I thank you for it. But this is what happens when you go 20 years without getting a quarterback because that quarterback isn't a quarterback. He's a messiah for your fan base. They're going to do this in Miami too. You watch. Man, that's – wow. I I, – Stanford's, I mean, and the teams they lost to, Tennessee, they can get after you with four up front. Like, they've got a big offensive line problem. It's not going to be exploited every week, but, like, the Tennessees and the San Francisco's of the world, they're going to they're gonna wreck your party, and that's not necessarily on Baker Mayfield. Jason, I can't thank you enough. All the best, man. Hope to get a chance to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Jason Lockin for us, CBS Sports. Well, if you're a Browns fan, I hope you were listening to that because people in Cleveland – and Jason knows this because we've brought it up to him on stage. Uh, there, there's always been, and I'm going to have to quote tweet that here in a second. Uh, there's always been a very strong opinion of Jason Lockenfora with a lot of fans. And then they got John Dorsey. They started making actual football moves, and that dissipated. And I was glad because I, I think there are guys who take shots at certain fan bases just to get them in a row. God knows I've done that. Um but I think that he tells the truth the way he sees it. But I think that Cleveland does have a major problem with one certain instance. I think they have a bunch of faces. I don't think they have a leader yet. And that's going to be a problem if they want to be in the playoff hunt in December. I'll explain that to you next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.